Thank you, Adam and Ali, for having me and for Brooklyn. I really appreciate your warmth and your love. It's lucky to be here. I want to take you back about 15, 16 years ago. I got a call from someone that said there's a guy in Cape Town and he wants to join a Bible study. I must call him. Eskabanga. So I called him and I invited him to my Bible study group. I was a Bible study leader. And the first night Adam came to that Bible study, as a joke, I said, hi guys, this is Adam. He's just come out of rehab. Which wasn't true. I was trying to be funny, but while after that, he actually explained to me that wasn't far from the truth. <laughs> he, was, um, he was a dodgy guy. But after walking with him for, for a while, I left Bible study one night, and I remember telling Amra that I feel like he's got an anointing like Andrew Selly, and that I can see myself um, preaching in his church and being under his leadership. And so me standing here preaching in his congregation is a prophecy that's 15, 16 years in the making. So it is a big deal for me because I can see how God works across generations. He's clever, he's smart, he weaves life together in a beautiful way. And um, I became really good friends with Adam. I, I, I know him well, um, and he knows me well. I trust him, and he trusts me. And uh, I'm very grateful for friendships like this. And I actually want to talk on friendship, primarily friendship with God, but also friendship amongst us, because that's important as well. And the reason why is because the Bible actually says in John 15, that Jesus calls us his friends. And so I want to read that to you. Kevin, you've got it. Huh? Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. God invented, he invented friendship. Um, and it's a very beautiful thing. It's probably the most beautiful thing in life is friendship. The very thing most of us actually crave. And I want to define, for me, friendship means is being close with others and knowing them and letting them know you. The Oxford Dictionary we can use, I don't like it a lot, but it says it's a, you have a, it's a bond of mutual affection between people. And that affection is a Latin word that means actually to influence each other, which is maybe helpful. It also says it's someone who supports a cause or supports an organization. If you come here and you pack chairs, you can't pack these monsters, but say, say you did pack chairs, then you support Josh Jen. Maybe you tithe and you support this organization and you would be classed as a friend to the organization. But I prefer the biblical definition in John 15. I think that really describes God's heart and what friendship is. And so the first thing I see in that verse is that um, Jesus says, a friend lays down your life for your friend. So it speaks of sacrifice. And it means that you give yourself to your friends when it's hard, when it hurts, and when it's sacrificial, and when it's not easy. That's a true friend, huh? I mean, who, who wouldn't want a friend like that? The second thing we see is that he says that you are my friends if you do what I command. And that speaks of obedience. We, in our friendship with God, are called to obey him. 
That's actually the connection, is that obedience, that we're actually in sync and in line with God and where he's moving. And it actually does require that you just respect him for who he is. Actually, if you do, it makes it easier to obey him and be friends with him. And then the last thing is quite interesting, and I think few people would probably put this in a definition for friendship. And that's that last bit that says, because a servant does not know his master's business, but instead I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I've made known to you. And that speaks of sharing, being open and accountable with God. He's opened up his life, himself, his home. By his home I mean in heaven. He's opened that up to all of us. So if we obey him, we can be friends with him and have what he has. And he share, he's very generous. He says, all that I have is yours. So that's a sharing. And, and I, I love the, the beauty of God's example. And I want to split it in three because God actually consists of God the Father. And I know Adam's been speaking on that a lot here at Brooklyn. But it's also God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And, and let's just look at how they demonstrate it. God the Father has demonstrated that by asking his son to abandon the beauty and perfection of heaven, come to earth, a fallen sinful place with people like us that are sinners, and those very sinners are the people that ended up abusing and torturing him to death. That's, that's huge sacrifice. And the son demonstrates his friendship to the father in obedience to his father by obeying him and saying, okay, I'll, I'll go do this horrible thing that I don't want to do. And he asked him, can this cup of suffering not pass me by? And he said, but not my will, my Father's will. So Jesus demonstrates something very beautiful for us there with what he's done to give his life up, abandon his Father, and also being abandoned by his Father on the cross. Think about that. That's a big deal. And then lastly, the Holy Spirit, when Jesus left, he said, I have to leave so that you can get something. And that's the Holy Spirit. And they call him the comforter, the helper. I mean, that's the kind of friend, all of us, who, who doesn't want a comforter and helper? If I tell you that I'm a comforter and helper, you're going to want to be friends with me. Because I'm going to comfort you and help you. And life has lots of challenges. We need a comforter and a helper. And so God's offered us that Holy Spirit as our friend. to Come live inside us, in this temple, our bodies. It's a beautiful example. And... Um, God's offering us this amazing three for one deal. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is what we can get in our friendship with God. And um, I love what it says in Isaiah 30, because that's sort of the thing you actually want to know, that he's that kind of God, where he says, when you walk, you'll hear a voice behind you saying this way, as you turn left and as you turn right. So some of us may use Google Maps to guide us, but God says, the Holy Spirit will do the very same thing, but it requires that friendship. And let's just recap. The friendship requires that we obey God, that we sacrifice, serve, and that we share our lives with Him and open up to Him and vice versa, take Him in. So in, in that sense, friendship with God means we have to drop the walls. We've got to drop the walls and let Him in. Thank you, Kevin. I agree. So I want to summarize that we were never created. We were created with a purpose, and it's not to be alone. All of us were created for relationship and friendship. And it's the very thing that God loves. All of life, all of creation is about that. You know why? Because God is a family man. 
Yeah, I mean, I've got 600 million kids. I'm a family man. We've got a big family. I love relationship. Um, that's why I fell in love with Adam. I, 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 like, I have a lot of time for him. And I invested in him, not because I'm a great guy. It's because of the Holy Spirit in me. He changed me. I'm extremely selfish. I'm militantly selfish. If we go out for dinner, I'm the guy that will pay the least so that you have to pay more. That's who I really am. I'm not like that anymore, so we can go for dinner. <laughs> I've become generous. But it's God changed me, and it's my friendship with him. I, I know who I am. Um, and he has a way of changing us in that friendship. And so I want to share my journey. I, I've been a Christian for 40 years. And the first 25, it was a bit of a downhill slope. And what I mean by that is, for most of my Christian journey, I didn't have the good fruits. Um, it was a religious thing where I did Christian things. I would go to church. I would worship. But what I didn't have was this friendship with God. It wasn't a relationship. Adam spoke now during worship about that intimacy with God, like locking eyes with him. That is what you do when there's a relationship. Religion just says, I come here, give some money, shake the pastor's hand, and then I go home and nothing changes. And that's what I did for 25 years. The result of it is that the worst thing in my entire life that ever happened to me, by a long shot, is loneliness. Because of my disobedience and not sharing myself with God and not letting him share with me, I ended up being extremely lonely. And you can ask my family, it was, was long before I met them, but they know I'm very scared of loneliness. It's brutal. And I wasn't created for loneliness, nor were you. You were created for family, for relationship. We all were. But because of my disobedience and not willing, being willing to sacrifice and to serve and lay down my life, I ended up being alone, and I was removed from God, even though I played Christian. It was terrible, because it's in a sense I've been scammed by Satan and my own selfishness. So I did the nice thing, but I didn't get the good results. And then two things changed, and I want to share how that changed. The first thing is, during my first year of marriage, I had a scary encounter with God, where for a week or two, it was like a vice grip on my chest. It's like if I had to go sit on Ty's chest, it's going to be hard for him to breathe. And the funny thing is, during those weeks and those days, God spoke to me and he said to me with his finger in my face, this is me. I'm God. You cannot mess with me. My grace has come to end. You've used me for 25 years. Now you need to take me seriously. And... Um, Actually, for the first eight years, when I told that story, I would just start crying, just reliving the fear of God. Like, I was cheeky and impertinent and cocky and arrogant in the way I dealt with God. I used him. I used the church. And I thank God that he took hold of me because I, I got scared of him and I realized, actually, he's real and he's powerful and I have to take him seriously and I've got to respect him. And what that caused in me is that I actually started bowing the knee um, and becoming a friend of God. I listened to him. I obeyed him. And like if I can jump to, th that's the vertical relationship and friendship. But if I can jump to a horizontal relationship, what that relationship with God did for me in my vertical relationship is simple things like smiling. I can say to you that you must listen to God or I can say to you, you must listen to God. 
The smile is infectious. And we all need it. All of you, I can also say, yeah, you better serve God. And it's, it's much more compelling to say to you guys, it is amazing to serve our God. He's very loving. And he brings about a smile in our heart. And he wants us to bring a smile to other people. This practical, horizontal friendship tips. The second thing is, we, we need to learn. Selfish people like me, we don't listen to others. I just want to do all the talking because I'm an insecure little boy. So I want to dominate and be cool. Think about it. If you're insecure, that is, that's, you desperately desire that thing of being accepted and loved and cool. And God helped me to start listening to others. So one of the things I learned in church was to ask your elders and your pastors, what do you see in me? What must I work on? And then, I can't say I made the mistake because I'm very grateful I did it, but one night in community, I had four guys sitting around me and I said to them, guys, speak into my life. What do you see? Like, what, what do I need to work on? And without hesitation, Johan next to me said, you don't listen when we talk. I was very surprised because I thought I'm quite a gregarious guy and I love people and they like me. And, but immediately three other guys affirmed what Johan just said. Gerard, you don't listen. We talk to you and then five minutes later you ask us questions we just told you. And you know why I'm grateful for that input? Is that I need to listen to people because it's a form of respect. And God listens to me in my friendship with him. He really does. But I also want to ask you, are you the kind of son and daughter of God that has enough love and respect for other people that you'll listen to them? Because for me, it's a discipline to shut up and listen. And, and ultimately, that's the thing that makes people feel that I respect them and love them. That's probably why Adam felt loved by me, because I was willing to listen to him. And the funny thing is that was before these people told me I don't listen. So I've gotten better. Thank God. Then another thing is, just again, in terms of our horizontal friendships, just something practical. You belong to Christ. And if you're part of his family, I want to encourage you, make sure that people experience his love. And you know what another clever way is to do it? Is to ask questions. It is the simplest thing. There's some of you in the audience I don't know, but it's very simple to say, what's your name? Where do you come from? And to listen to them. What do you do? Who's in your family? Are you? Have you got a mom and a dad? Simple things. It's practical Christianity. It's important for us to win with each other, practice, but then go out there and be like Jesus. Be interested in people. Ask them questions. Um, the other thing is that I often make notes of people's lives, like on Adam's contact list in my phone, I've got the names of his kids because I don't see him enough to remember. But I can stop outside and look at my contact list and it reminds me what the names of his kids are. And those are little things that make a big difference in other people because they feel loved and cared for. And that's how Jesus is with me and my friendship with him. And he's taught me to be like that with others. He's even taught me how to be romantic. He, there's times when the Holy Spirit, because of our friendship, will tell me, go buy your wife flowers. He's even told, told me to do it with my daughter, which I, would, I wouldn't think of that. But intimacy with the Holy Spirit, that friendship is an empowering tool to love people. And that's why I want to encourage you. The, the, the reason I'm talking about friendship with God is because it's beautiful. It's rewarding. And you, you cannot treat God like I did. Like just religious, like come to church, pay your tithe, maybe read your Bible. That's not. God's a relational person. 
And he wants to know you. And um, I want to encourage you to build that friendship with him. Some, some years ago, my wife shared a story with me that she was very hurt by something that happened. And she just stood next to me and she was very sad telling me the story. And when she was done, the Holy Spirit spoke to me clearly. And he said to me, ask her how that makes her feel. The thing that she just told me that happened. And I almost started laughing because it's like, it sounds like psychology stuff. But I swallowed my laughter and then I just asked her. And she opened up and she explained everything that's going on and what it made her feel. And when she was done, she said, thank you for the talk. I feel so much better. And then I'm like, wow. The Holy Spirit's an amazing coach and he makes me a better husband. That friendship. I don't have those skills. I won't say to her, how did this terrible experience make you feel? But he's coaching me. And remember, Jesus said, I'm going to leave so that the counselor, the helper, can come be with you. And he is, he's in me. And he's helping me with my friendship with God, but also with others. So I want to say to you, here's the challenge. Make the most of the Holy Spirit to coach you. Because if we, we all want to be recognized and respected and loved. But you can, if you can satisfy that desire for love and respect in your friend Jesus, that actually releases you to love others. I'm going to say it again, but in another way. The moment I build that security and friendship with God, that's the very thing that releases me. Because I'm now full. I'm, my love tank's full. I'm loved. I'm secure in Him. That releases me to love others. I'm, I'm a typical insecure overachiever. It's all about me not looking bad and being cool and whatever. But that's all about me. I'm a selfish guy. But if Jesus comes in and he fills you up, that is amazing. So now I'm loved. I'm secure. I understand my identity. I'm forgiven. I'm actually at peace with me and with him. That's the thing. That friendship with him releases me to love others. So I want to encourage you, um, to f if you struggle with loneliness, build this relationship with God. Work on that friendship because that's the thing that blesses us and enables us to go love others. Um, yeah, God gives us a security and an open heart and a listening ear. He does that with us. And we then can replicate and duplicate how he is with people around us. Um, and for me, that came through the gift of desperation when I had this hectic encounter with God like a vice grip on my chest. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is because of Matthew 7. Probably the scariest verse in the Bible. Let's read it. Jesus is speaking and said, And then I will declare to them, that's people, the church, I never knew you. Go away from me, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And this is talking about judgment day. And it's quite scary that Jesus says people will come to him and tell him what they've done as Christians, how they performed. And his response is, Go away from me, I don't know you. It's a bit like one of my kids coming to me and saying, hey, Papa, and I'm like, I don't know you, I'm not your dad, go away. That's the reality. And the reason I'm sharing you about friendship with God is the definitive thing in this sentence is, I don't know you. I never knew you. So my question is, if you don't know God, I'm not asking if you know the Bible or you can quote it. Because that was my excuse. 
I could also quote the Bible better than most, but I did not know God. Big difference. And I want to ask that the Holy Spirit arrest your heart today. Figure out, do you know Him? I, I don't know Cyril Ramaphosa. I know about him. But I don't know him personally, what his favorite food is. But I do know God. I used to know about him until I built that friendship with him, where it's a relationship. And I want to encourage you, the intimacy that Adam spoke about earlier, locking eyes, being intimate with God, that's what matters to him. But it's also the thing that should matter to you. Because on Judgment Day, the question isn't, do you know about me and can you quote scripture and did you attend church and did you tithe? It's a very simple question. Do I know you? And that goes back to that thing of sharing, where you know each other's business in Romans 15. Do you know his business? Does he know your business? And that brings me to the second thing. How do you get that? You have to choose to surrender your will. So I've got a will. I can choose to spend my money on my toys, spend my time on me. Or I can surrender that will, meaning the things and the time and the resources I have, and I can surrender it to God. And that's what I've been doing over time, and it's rewarding because he's a worthy friend. He's a good dad. And you need him because you were created by him for that very relationship. And I can tell you now, like many other people, you've probably heard this before, but it's true. Nothing else fulfills the way that God can. Sex, money, drugs, rock and roll can't help you. It's empty. It's fleeting. But that intimacy and that friendship with God, it's amazing. It's fulfilling. And so I want to talk on the blessing that comes in relationship, and it's in an odd way. You might think of blessing as the companionship and the good advice and the laughter and sharing stuff. Those things are all good, but it sometimes comes through difficulty. Um, in a desert season. I want to ask Kellen to maybe share your desert season. Um, good morning, everyone. Um, so recently, um, I've gone through a, a desert season where I couldn't hear the Lord. So um, I was born into a very good holy family. I had the privilege. Um, so at a young age, I got words. I was pretty prophetic and stuff. And then out of the blue, out of nowhere, I just couldn't hear God anymore. It was, you know, it wasn't like a, um, but I was very vulnerable about it. I prayed and cried about it with my parents. I went for coffees with my youth leader. Uh, I was people in church for prayer. Just nothing happened. And the thing that got me through, I think, is the beforehand relationship with Jesus. If it was just a Sunday thing or maybe Wednesday calm thing, I wouldn't have gotten through. It's just that relationship and knowing that he is true and faithful and like having that belief that like, I want that back and I know you're there. Um, and you know, I would, every worship session push to the front. I'd always ask for prayer when they ask for people who want prayer and like the pushing through, even when you got nothing in return is what um, got me through. And then one worship session, I got a word. I can't remember what it was. It was just one word. And then I searched it up in Uversion, um, my Bible app, and it came up with the most beautiful verse ever. It lined up perfectly with all the verses, the preach, the worship. 
And yeah, it could just be a word. And the only way we're gonna we're gonna get back to that place of being with him and hearing him is to keep on pushing. It's not gonna come easy, and we, it's gonna be months on end, if even years or whatnot. And the only way, yeah, we can get through that season is by keep on pushing. So why I think that is important is that we need to understand by design relationship with God and with each other is risky. And, and you need to decide up front. Um, I'm friends with Adam. Adam did disappoint me. But I have no doubt that I disappointed and hurt him. So both of us had to deal with that. I've got the same with my beautiful wife. I found out after marrying her that she's not perfect. It was, it was more last year, <laughs> after 17 years. So, and, and that's the challenge. All of us have it. I will disappoint you people. I'll hurt you. I'll offend you. But there's value in those struggles in relationship. And we'll have that same thing like Kellen shared with God. There will be desert seasons, but God has a way of using everything. All things work together for good. It strengthens us, and we learn from it. And, and one of the things I want to show us is in James 4. It says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? So what causes quarrels and fights? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? So we lust certain stuff. I want to look cool. I want to be wealthy. I want to be important. I want attention. Then it goes on in verse to your desire, you desire, and you do not have. So you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. But if you ask, you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on selfish passions. And then God says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? And so part of the solution for us as Christians is, I'm going to be friends with someone. You are. But you're either going to be friends with the world or you're going to be friends with your creator. And it's a decision you must make. That's why I just said you need to choose to surrender your will. And like Kellen said, there are seasons when you're going to have to persevere. And it can be in your, your friendship with God or your friendship with family and church. But it will require perseverance. But I would like to end off by warning you that our passions cause a lot of trouble for us. And you can even go quiet now and say, Lord, show me. What are my passions? What are the things that steal from you, from our friendship? And I can assure you the Holy Spirit will answer you. Because God's gracious. He will always come after you. He'll talk. He'll respond. Especially if we wait on Him. And then I want to... Give some practical tips when it comes to what I've learned after that season. The first thing I said is the fear of God, the advice grip on my chest. And through that season, I learned what friends are. Friends do not compare. Don't compare. God's got a different journey for me than for Adam and for my kids. And so I want to warn you, know this. The devil, your enemy, would want you to compare. But friends don't compare. Um, they don't compete uh, and they don't only complain you you can share your burdens with friends but be very careful of just being that person that's constantly spewing negativity 
if I had to ask you between two people, this guy and that guy, this guy always moans and complains, and this guy is positive and happy and fun, who do you want to have as your friend? Everyone's going to choose this guy. But the solution to, to having friends is to be a good friend. So I want to encourage you, run to your Heavenly Father and say, make me a better friend. Work on me. I used to be a terrible friend because I was so selfish. And I didn't have friends. And that's why I was lonely for so long. It's only when I submitted to God that that changed. And like I said before, the key to friendship with people is actually friendship with God. So the key to you not being lonely is being in friendship with God who will enable you to be a good friend to people around you. And the friendship with God is important because it has eternal consequences. And I point you back to Matthew 7 where God says, what if I say to you I don't know you? Go to hell. So what does a good friend look like to God and to people? The first thing is love and care. Love people and care for them. I didn't care for people and I didn't love them because I only loved myself. So the trick is just ask the Holy Spirit to change your heart, to become less selfish. Help me to care for people. And write down, if people tell you something, next week I'm going for a blood test. Put it in your diary and then follow up with them. You might not have the memory to remember that, but it's going to show them, hey, this guy cares for me. He's following up on my blood test. Thank you. That's very kind of you. So be a good friend by caring and showing love. And a component of love and of friendship that most of us probably don't include is correction. But it's absolutely part of friendship and of love. If you love someone, you will correct them. Proverbs 3 verse 12 says, For those whom the Lord loves, so if God loves you, he says, he corrects you. Even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. I delight in Kellen. Do I correct you? <laughs> Once or twice. And then Proverbs 27 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. You know what that means? It means enemies can flatter us. But if you really love me, you'll say to me, what you're doing now is wrong. This is going to hurt you. That's the same with God. God tells me the stuff that's wrong. Why? Because he's trying to bully me. He's not like that. He's protecting me. It's because he loves me that he corrects me. That's a good, faithful friend. God is that, and we need to become like that. That we, I really love you, so I'm going to just talk straight and say, the way you did that wasn't, that wasn't loving. I think that was a bit harsh, just by way of example. And then I want to encourage you, friends are content. You, you'll You'll pick up in a friendship if someone's at peace and content. Ask God to give you contentment with what you have, where you are, and how you live. There's something very beautiful about contentment. It actually just means I'm at peace. I'm at peace in the ups and in the downs and in between. I am at peace. I trust God. Like I said, listen and always believe the best. And what I mean, 1 Corinthians 13 says, love always believes the best. You know what that means? It means when she disappoints me or my kids disappoint me or betray me even i'm going to keep on loving because that's how he is i'm not like that in the natural but the more you build a friendship with god the more you become like that you love despite disappointment and offenses my favorite verse in the entire bible is in proverbs 19 and it says it's to a man's glory to overlook an offense because an offense is something you take you can you you will offend me but I can choose to take that offense or to overlook it. 
And so in friendship, be prepared that we're going to be hurt and disappointed. Church, absolutely. You will be hurt and disappointed. Choose right now. I want to be friends with these people even if they disappoint me or hurt me and forgive them. And then I want to share the second thing. I see two things happen to me to change my life from that lonely guy that was lost to actually being in family. Psalm 60 says God puts the lonely in family. And the way he did it is when I joined Josh Jen about 17, 18 years ago, I struck up a relationship with a pastor. His name is Russell. Some of you might know him. And he taught me something I didn't, that actually freaked me out. Because remember, I was 25 years, I was a Christian. And I thought, you hold up this perfect facade and you quote scriptures and you're a holy man. Because <laughs> you belong to Jesus, even though that's not really true. So you fake it. And I did for long. And he showed me a different way. And that's integrity. That is basically opening up your life, like um, John 15 says, share your business. And we often call it accountability. But what it means is I'm friends with you and I'm going to share fun, laughter, games, the good, the bad, and the ugly with you. And we just handle it all together. What it really released in me is that joy that I can actually be sinful and share it with you, not, so, not to justify my sin, but to walk it with me, to pray with me. I didn't have to hide it. I'm allowed to not be perfect. But I want to move towards God and be holy. And so I want to encourage you to walk, like the Bible says, in light and share your business with God. My favorite verse in this regard is actually James 5, verse 16. James 5 says, Therefore confess your sins. So the first thing is we must confess our sins one to the other. Secondly, we must pray for one another so that you may be healed. So this is a bit like a, like a math quiz. One plus one equals two. So first, confess your sins. That's you bring it in the open. Then you pray for each other so that you may be healed. My question to you is some of you need healing in certain areas and you are blocking it because you haven't confessed it and you haven't asked for prayer. My victory and overcoming came through confessing stuff, sometimes to Adam even. And then we would pray for each other. And that brings the victory because God listens to the prayer of a righteous man. And so God's idea for us, church, is actually to do it in the family, not like on my own. And um, 1 John 1 says, if we walk in the light as God is in the light, we have fellowship, friendship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sin. And all of us are sinners, including me. So we need cleansing. And the way I do it is I walk in the light. I don't hide it. I'm free. And, and for me, the joy is the people around me know me. I'm not hiding stuff from them. I'm authentic behind doors and in the public. So there's that integrity of like, I'm one man, I'm not two different guys. The fake Christian, when I'm here at church, and then at home, I can beat my wife and kids. I don't do that. By God's grace. So let's end off here. I want to ask you all to live in the light um, like God commands us. Uh, because we need to be friends with God for our own good, but actually for our salvation. And it requires intimacy. And on, a, on the horizontal plane with friends with others, I want to ask you, to consider this. The Bible says that bad company, bad friends, corrupt 
good character. So you may be a good guy or a good girl, but if you hang out with the wrong friends, they'll pull you down. Don't deceive yourself. God said it, accept it. I cannot keep on going back to bad people and thinking I'm going to save them. God saves people. It's highly likely that if I hang out with those people, they're going to drag me down and away from God. So I want, want us to be practical with those things and ask the Holy Spirit, are you comfortable with me being friends with these people? Or must I run away from them because they're going to corrupt me? So if you want to look at that, read 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. In the ESV, it says, do not be deceived. So basically saying, don't fool yourself. Bad company ruins good morals. So lastly, I want to talk on trust. Accountability, opening up and living in the light requires trust. So in church and with God, oftentimes you're actually going to have to choose to trust God and you're going to have to choose to trust people. I know that most of us like to say trust must be earned, but that's not true. You, you have got a decision. You can choose to trust me today. If Adam trusts me and you trust him, then you must choose to trust me. But the same goes for God. He's not a man that he will lie. We need to choose to trust him and obey him. Even when it's hard, that's when we need to be loyal. And so Proverbs 3 actually sums up everything that we've spoken about. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That means you give your entire heart to God. And lean not on your own understanding. So that means I'm not going to rely on myself to know how to be a friend with God or to be a friend to you guys. I lean on him. So it's that dependence. It's very important. Um, and then in all your ways, submit to him, submit to God, and he will make your path straight. And that is the blessing. The blessing of friendship with God is that he makes your path straight and he enables you actually to come out of loneliness and to have friendship with him. And that's what we as a church are called to. We are friends of God and we need to be friends to each other. And so I want to encourage you today to ask the Holy Spirit. As maybe we'll close our eyes and you can just ask the Holy Spirit. Where am I out of sync with God? Another question is, who has access to me or do I have walls up? And actually, as a test of maturity, I want to ask you, ask yourself honestly, how much truth can you handle? Or are you one of those people where I can't give you truth because you'll just shut me down? So when those guys at the Bible study, when I asked them, what do I need to work on? And they said to me, you don't listen to people. I could have shut that down, ignored them. But ask the Holy Spirit, what are you, what walls have you got up? 